at SC Podcast Episode Three. Uh, pretty pretty good one right here, man. I'm just gonna throw it out there and get it going from the beginning. <laughs> huge, huge, huge full circle right now, man. We got Mike McGohar in here, sitting in the strike zone, hanging out again. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of history between us, but. We're going to get into that today, but you know, the first thing we want to touch is just, you know, your story a little bit, how you got into coaching, you know, what, how you kind of got to this spot today. Um, we'll talk about the Connie Mack World Series. We'll go through, you know, the stuff you've gone through with Max and all that, you know, but it's, for me personally, I just want to say this, man, it, it's great to have you back in here. I am, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, I'm really fired up about it, man, and just... Because a lot, you know, we know our history and just to sit here 12 years apart from when we met, everything we've gone through and to have you back in here and talking about life, talking about what we've gone through, getting the message out. Um, I mean, it's all God for me. I, I, I can't even put words to it, man. It's I'm sitting here today dumbfounded. I don't even know how we got here, but it's all God. Um, and I'm just excited to have this conversation with you, man. And I'm excited to just talk with you about all what's been going on so I'm, I'm really fired up about it man so thanks for coming in I really appreciate it well on the way uh, it's ironic you say that not ironic not coincidental coincidental but I, the whole way here I just you know my my prayer was this is a uh, it's 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 come to a head everything that my my past uh, year past grants huge been huge part of that just three of us sitting here and my prayer was just that I would be up you know one thing that I've always preached to my teams is to never too high never too low uh, ride the line stay above you know do things the right way for the right reasons and all those things and I mean on the way here I honestly I mean, with the opportunity to come in and visit with you about the things that you wanted to talk about, I mean, my prayer is just that I, I'm able to control my emotions the way I've preached for so long. Right. And that's funny you say that because me and Grant were just talking about that. And, you know, this is this is a huge part of who we are. And, you know, it's, it's just been a crazy, crazy journey. And to go through it with all three of you guys, you know, we sit here today... And I just asked Grant before, you know, going through what you've gone through to know what you know today, would you do it again? And I'm like, you know what? I would, man. You know, it was it was learning because I understand who God is today. He's shown his face through different things. I mean, I've had to be stripped down to absolutely bare nothing for my shell to be cracked. And to understand, you know, that part of the journey, man. And for me, when God broke me out of that shell and really put life into perspective, man, it, it kind of came full circle to me, man. And But I always, I, I look at it this way. Back then, I was a completely different person. You know, it's like we went through so much and I was a different person. And then you go through what we have. Both of us are going through, all three of us. And you come to respect each other, man. And I think that that's the message I want to get out today. It was like, you know, for parts of the journey... It was just needed, man. It was it was part of God's work for us to come full circle. And like I said, I was I'm so happy today that we can sit here in this environment, have a great conversation, and all those barriers are just gone. You know. Yeah, I think I think for me, you know, one thing I've learned 
that I think would have been different in the past, even though I agree with you, I don't, I really, to be honest with you, I, I can honestly say, even in terms of uh, the differences that you and I had, which were 100% inspired by other people um, trying to cause divide in the community and those kinds of things, planting seeds of doubt and fear, uh, you know, they're, they're any, we sh should have been viewed as an opportunity to be challenged to get better, which which probably did happen, but it happened in a spiteful way as opposed to a joint effort, which could have really promoted the community at the time in a way that, that probably could have gotten us to where we're at now sooner. But, you know, I mean, Moses led the led the Israelites out of Egypt and, and then they, they, you know, and then they went into hiding because it, they weren't on time, you know, it was 10 years too early. And then it caused them to stay there 20 years too long and all those things. And, and I mean, to me, that book isn't a book of stories. It's to be taken literal. And whether you have a spiritual concept about it or not, that's a book of lessons that anybody can, can get something from. And so for me, looking back, I think the decisions that I made uh, back then in terms of, you know, baseball in this community and you and I and the kids that we put in the middle between you and I all those years and, you know, the families that were affected uh, negatively in some way, uh, not to mention all the families that were mentioned and that were, that were affected positively for the same exact reasons. Um, I, I just think that I would, if I would have had to do it again, I would have known, if I, if I would have been where I am now, in my own spiritual maturity, I, I would have just known back then that God, God meets you where you're at. You don't have to do more than you're capable of. He, he, he shows up. He meets you right at the spot that you're at in your life if you're just seeking that. And I probably wouldn't have had to try to take so much control. Yeah, man. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I was talking about this with Grant the other day about just, and even this morning we talked about this. It's funny how in, in, in today's society, no one wants to talk about the hard times or the person that's in your life to make you better. Like everyone thinks that God brings people into your life that's always positive. Well, that's not going to work on certain people. You're going to have certain people at certain points in your life that God's going to use to make you uncomfortable it's gonna be that way and it's it's all like you said it's in the spirit realm man it's never a personal attack against that person understanding what I understand now see back then I didn't have that understanding with the Lord I didn't have that understanding so I was ignorant I was ignorant I just didn't know I, I was unaware it's like you say God shows up at certain points but knowing what I know now it's like man I am aware and I am aware of how God used you in my life at those moments and I respect it because it made me a better coach at that time. It made me get outside my comfort zone. Like for you, you started Four Corners around the same way. We both were forced to grow in ways when he had us apart. Like Grant said it before this morning, it feels like we were all disconnected because we all sit here godly men. So we all follow God and we all follow that spirit. But it's like for a part of the journey, you get disconnected, man. I was over here dealing with my stuff. You were dealing with stuff. He's dealing with stuff. But guess what? God's love is bigger than us all. And guess what? There's not too many people that would sit on this podcast right now and face this conversation. Because it's just, it's too scary. 
No one wants to talk about that. And it's like, when I speak of it that way and I say, yeah, back in those times when I went through those hardships with Mike, it made me a better coach. It did do that because at that time and that period, that's what it did. Yeah, it made we, me better at that point. We let too many people. We let we let a broken world that that a hundred percent of the people that live into it are searching for answers for the will and the and the and the direction and the the purpose for their life and. And the problem with the world and the reason that we became, in your word, disconnected is no different than a hitter that's disconnected and, and, and can't barrel a ball because the bottom half doesn't work in sequence with the upper half or a pitcher who's elevated on the mound because he's not getting the ball out on time and his kinetic chain isn't, isn't connected. It's... it's, it's if we're just going to use me and you and Grant who are sitting here right now as the example, th this, this particular uh, something carnal in, in the way of a podcast has brought us and connected us back together just this morning for the purpose of getting a message out there to promote the goodness of the sport and to promote, you know, um, to, to bring to bring communities not just this one back together and 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 those communities are are individual you know their their interest groups within a community there's the baseball and the and the weight training and the and the and the coaching and the playing and the parenting and the and the sponsoring and the Connie Macworld series and the high school leagues and all those things and 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 if you really you know in terms of what we're here to discuss and the and the part of the society that we fulfill for our community i mean the disconnect happens when we allow our focus to fall on all of the interruptions in what we've been commanded to focus on no offense to anybody because i say a lot of offensive things but the fact of the matter is is that when me and you fell apart it was a parent who came in and spoke bold-faced lies and took context out of it and 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 put you on 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 eggshells and put me on eggshells and then those people that caught wind of it from surrounding grew it and it became no effect it, it became no effect to them it only affected it only affected you and your family. It only affected me and my family. It ended up affecting them because they had to carry it and still have to carry it. There's stuff that happens all the time. I mean, I personally can honestly say whether it didn't work out for a player at Piedra Vista or with Four Corners, that I can honestly say that I 100%, with 100% certainty, that I never personally felt like it was between me and the kid. I always felt that there was a third party that directly impacted and influenced a negative split between me and the kid, Piedra Vista and the kid, Four Corners and the kid, whether it be their buddies, whether it be their parents, whether it be another coach, whoever it might have been, it was in my, in, in my general feeling the doubts and the seeds that were planted in the minds of the kids 
and me that I had differences with, the doubts that I had about you, the doubts that you had about me, those seeds were planted by other people. I didn't come up with I didn't come up with those ideas on my own. I didn't see anything with my own eyeballs that led me to believe that something was happening just directly between me and the other person. Because I built Piedra Vista Baseball on godly principles. And I'm going to be the first one to admit that I, that I tried to take control after I had given control, which is why I, we were so successful on the front end in the beginning. But the reason it ended and it ended the way it ended was because I tried to take that control back. And I started to feel like I was bigger than I actually was. And then God, you know, humbled me in a really, in a really big way. And it had nothing to do with baseball. And it had nothing to do with me believing that my son's cancer was from him. Right. But inside of that situation, I was humbled to the point of realizing that I was on the right track. And I strayed from it. And during that year of sitting and watching my kid battle, I, I, I pulled myself back to it. So, I mean, you just led to it, man. And, you know, I've talked with Lori. I've talked with you. Um, going through what I've gone through with Grace. And then let's, let, let's talk about Max, man. Um, I've known Max. I've known you guys the last 12 years. And it's like you said, the game is so much smaller when God breaks you down into that level, man. And, and you just nailed it with what you just said. But I know, man, I, I haven't sat down and fully dove into, and I know where this is going to go because I've, I've been in that situation, man. But just tell us, man, how that, going through that with Max, going through that with your family, just what God did with your life, what Max is doing now. Like for me, seeing him on the field this summer, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And I'll tell you what, I, before we did this podcast, I was going through some pictures to put up and let people know we were doing it. And I found a picture of you and Max with your shaved heads together, man. And that, that put life in perspective for me where it's like, you know what? Baseball's great, man. It, it's good we do good things there and we have that outlet and it's part of who we are. But when you see a picture like that or you see your kid going through something like that, man, it really puts life in true perspective, man. And I, I just want to tell you man-to-man, face-to-face, the way I seen you handle, because I, I know how hard this is, man, and the way I seen you handle and just be there for your son, I have more respect for you as a man today than anything you've ever done on the field, man. Like, it, it's a, you, gosh, dude, I just want to say it's, it's powerful. You've affected me and my wife to see that, you know, and to talk to Lori, and we, you just affected our life in a positive way because of the way you have fought. But just, just touch on this subject, man. I know it's going to be emotional, but I, I want people to understand this part of you and just what you and Lori have gone through and just to tell your story about Max. Well, as you well know, with your situation with Grace, you, first of all, it's, it's unexplainable. Uh, you say help people understand there's not really anything, you know, there's not really anything that I can say to help a person understand. Right. Um, you know, I've talked to Jennifer Solomon still very, very uh, randomly, but there's a, you know, there's a very, uh, I hate to make this analogy, but 
for anybody that's, you know, since we do live in the world and is broken and we all did the stupid things that we've done, you know, if anybody that's ever been like a pot smoker, you know, it, those people don't really get on the same wavelength with people who don't smoke pot. But pot smokers are on the same wavelength and they can have these underlying levels of communication or whatever that people who have never done that and lived that way don't understand. Um, you, you understand it because you know, because you lived your life a lot like the way I lived my life growing up. And there's a lot of things that we have to overcome in our life. But that that's a really probably... That's a bad analogy for a couple of Christian men to use in a, in a, in a podcast, but it's real. And uh, I would say that that's the same analogy I would use. You know, when, when I, I, I can talk to you, you know, what? it's unfortunate, but I can talk to you about my situation with Max. And because of your situation with Grace, it's really no offense to Grant, not something he can understand. Right. The level of it is, it seems superficial but there's something there's something behind the words and the emotion that other people can't grasp. Right. Um, when I talk to Jennifer Solomon about things, you know, it's like, you know, a simple comment. She she writes a blog, and you know, you don't understand faith until faith is all you have to hang on to. Well, that's such a seemingly cliche phrase in the grand scheme of society, but. But that particular phrase means something to me that no one that hasn't gone through that can really understand. Now, I will say this. I, I'm, I'm a studier and I'm a reader. Grant knows that. I'm, I'm, I, I read books and I, I, believe in, I believe that there's wisdom and intelligence, including spiritual leading through, you know, through expanding your mind and 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 all those things and 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 i read a book that relatively speaking i mean a fan you know somebody who loses a family in a plane crash has the relative amount of pain that a person who had a very minor surgery on an ankle or you know i i use a bad example but you know having a, a toenail removed that's ingrown that might get infected if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you in your life it has the same traumatic impact on you that it that a that a person who loses an entire family in a plane crash has so that's that may be a bad example but i would say everyone has their pain and that's the reason why they come in and try to divide. But as far as going back to your original question, I can't really help people understand what I went through with Max, but what I can try to help people understand is, you, you mentioned another part of it, and I, I appreciate the kind words, but to be honest with you, it has more along to do with what Jennifer Solomon's tagline was in her blog. I really didn't act out the way I did so that people would appreciate the way I handled it. I, I I acted out the way I did because as whew, sorry uh, take your time man yeah it's real as as the deal unfolded I realized that the part that's missing in our society which is the thing that you were missing and the thing that I was missing and the thing that Grant's missing until he figures it out and has to support his own family is is that I really in spite of the comparison that you could make to me and bad fathers and bad coaches and bad leaders that I 
in my mind, at that point, whenever, whenever things just weren't going very good at all, and, and I really thought I was going to lose my son several times, uh, I realized that I really hadn't been a very good man. So, it had nothing to do with being a good man so that other people would respect me. It had more to do with God's commandment to lead my family out of it. See, and that's why I said, when I say I respect you in the way you, you were, it's for what you just said. Because you got commanded by the Father to lead your family this way in the hardest moment. You're faced with not knowing if your son's going to make it. And I still remember the day when Grace, man, she had a worse seizure for 45 minutes and she quit breathing. And Joe's freaking out right there. And I remember right then, for me, my moment was I was stripped of everything. It didn't matter that I played baseball. It didn't matter that I worked out. It didn't matter this. I just had prayer at that point. And then you just go for that ride with him. So when I say respect, man, it's because... Like you said, you're not doing it in those moments for others. You're not doing it to say, hey, man, I hope this is how it looks. Because people will say it to us all the time. They're like, oh, you're, you're, you look so strong. You've done this and to me and Joe. And I'm like, yeah, you may see that here. But like you said, when you're in that moment in the hospital room when you don't know if your daughter's going to make it or the doctor's saying, hey, you know, there's a high risk in death here. You know, if you don't take care of the seizures, those moments of gut check are those quit moments like we teach our kids when we coach like when life comes and kicks you in the face like that man all i had at that moment was prayer and faith and that's why i try to spread my message because when i was stripped of everything who i was personally i had the lord and that's why when i when you're in those moments and you did what you did for you to sit here and say what you just did and Grant would back me up on this. To hear that message that you just said, that's me respecting you as a man because that's the most realest thing you can ever be as a husband, a father, or anything like that. When you were in that moment, dude, you, you, you listened to the Lord, you led your family, and that's the reason Max is on that field right now. Man. Well, we, we, we fail. I mean, I have a real strong conviction, and I'm passionate now, uh, I felt like I did a pretty good job coaching. I, I, I mean, my record speaks for itself. But but I'm telling you right now, I didn't even scratch. I, I, I realized I didn't even scratch the surface to what I can do. Isn't that crazy? I, yeah. I just, I, I feel like men fail their families. We, we. We do what we're trained to do in the world, but but we're but we're really not of it, and that's the reason why even men who seem happy go home and they're broken, and they and they they're broken. Men are yeah. broken, and I know because I, I'm a tough I'm, I'm a tough guy, and I you know I put on this this shield and I carry it around and it's heavy and 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 I'm and I, I raise my kids to be tough. And I, and I taught my wife how to be tough. And, you know, I mean, my wife sat in the bleachers and could never understand it. I mean, she sit there and watch me talk on the phone till midnight with coaches about kids whose parents are attacking me. 
um, trying to find them a place to play and this and that and the other because and their parents are attacking me because they don't like the position they're playing or or I don't think their kid is as good as they think their kid is or or to be quite frank their kid's just not caught out for the grind he's in love with the idea of what it means to be good at it instead of actually being in love with it I mean I was I, I look back at myself and I was in love with it and I was marginally talented, but I can honestly say this, that the opportunities that these kids, I have chills saying this, these kids nowadays, most of them that I coach have exponentially so many more opportunities than I had when I grew up to get better that, that they regardless of their ability level they all turn out to be better players than i ever was right however if i had the same opportunities that they had knowing the ability that i did have that was never really developed and never really truly understood how to do things a certain way i just scraped the tip of the iceberg with some of my abilities as a player I realized through my deal with Max and you know God commanding me to lead my family out of it how really bad of a job I did leading those kids because you know what I did I taught them how to be tough right all my kids that went on and played from PV they didn't quit yep they went to their school and they grinded it out no matter how bad it was and they didn't let there was no coach that was too mean or unfair or too much conditioning or things were stupid or why do we do this or why I conditioned my kids not to ask why you just ask how right and you just get after it and my kids were successful from PV and I'm super proud of that but I'm also I'm also very embarrassed that I didn't teach them how to be good leaders in dire situations because I didn't really teach him the certain level of love that I've also learned. And people use the word love as a soft word, but I realized that there's no, there's not a tougher word than love ever. And so when you ask about Max, I I don't care what anybody says. I'm, I I literally I literally have only one fear, and that is. And, the, and that is not living up to God's expectation for what I'm supposed to be. Because I was facing losing my son, realizing that I hadn't lived up to what I was supposed to be. And at that moment, I realized I had failed. And, and I don't fail well. You both know that. Right. I don't yeah. lose. I do not like to lose. But relatively speaking... I had to get back on top, and the only way to get back on top was to do it under the only umbrella of truth that I knew, and that was that was the truth of the word. Right? There's not. There's not. There's people don't understand. Like I've learned so much. I read the I read the Bible from cover to cover. I even have gone and interpreted it in the Hebrew and the Greek to try to get the literal old meanings out of it to try to draw every ounce and I'm no scholar I'm no prophet preacher expert nothing but I know this there's no power in prayer without the specific specificity of the word right and if you don't know what it means you just hang your hat on one scripture 
Well, when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert, he said, I won't turn that rock into bread. I hang on every word in the Bible. Right. Every thy and thou and and every because and every if. It's not just that one buzz that we love. How many times have you seen me put John 15, 13 on something and say, you know, that's who we are? Well, you know what? There's a lot more to that than I ever taught. And I'm embarrassed to say that I failed at teaching it. And it failed men. Because there are going to be leaders of families. And I realized that I did a bad job leading my family. And in that time when I had no idea how to lead my family out of what we were in, there were two options. Max makes it, Max doesn't make it. But there was no option about this. What am I going to do as the leader of my family if Max doesn't make it? What am I going to do as the leader of my family if Max does make it? Because right now, we don't live easy days. We just don't. People look at us and they're, oh, they're back to normal. And Max is at the Connie Mack World Series games with his buddies. And here I am coaching frackers and four C-18s and helping kids go on to college now. And Cody's back from school and he's worked all summer long and he's doing as good as he's ever done. And, 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 and he's going to a new school and he has a new, you know, fresh slate, gets to start all over and start, you know, playing again. And he had a great summer and all, and, and everybody goes, Oh, they're back to normal and God's blessing. And you, you know what? God has blessed us with another chance yep. because we came running to him. And I truly 100% believe there's no non-believer that's going to convince me or anybody else in ears range in my family that it was a coincidence that the doctors were bigger than the nope. disease that any of that stuff i watched a kid with the exact same disease as max the exact same label everything with three siblings that were a hundred percent match for a bone marrow donor that lived until five cycles of the treatment max had one time that Took him from 108, 5'8", 180, to, or five, six foot 180 to 5'8", 128, and, and couldn't speak straight, couldn't think straight, couldn't keep food down, couldn't drink water, couldn't do anything. Five treatments of that, never leaving, never leaving the hospital for almost a year, down to his last 10 days, and his mom... They're Orthodox Jews, which obviously believe in the same God that I do, but only half of the Bible is really 100% true to them, came to me and said, I don't know what to do. What do I do now? And I said, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not trying to offend you, and I'm not trying to do whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is the rituals that you're performing have no power. The Word has power. The good news is, is you're not condemned for what you're attempting to do because it's out of the goodness of your heart and the faith in your belief. But the faith in your belief and the grace that's been provided to you with the new covenant will deliver you from it. And and she said, how do I do it? And I gave her three scriptures and she went and did it. And I said, and here's another thing. As a parent, you can only stand in the, in the gap for your kid until you've exposed him to the knowledge of what's supposed to be there. And every person that's exposed to what's supposed to be there and the truth has to live it in order to receive the blessings and the promises of it, especially if they're intelligent enough to understand it. 
At that point, I told her when Max was exposed to the truth, it was up to him whether he believed it. And he took a hold of it. And just like that, he was in remission in less than 30 days with the same label your kid had. And she said, my son's going to have a hard time with that. We've been raised this way and it's very conservative and this and that. And I said, it's up to you to teach him. You're his parent. And that's where I failed all these years. In 10 days, he was in remission. And five days after that, he got a bone marrow transplant and he's at home. Man, that is, and you just hit on a subject, man. I've, <clears throat> and I've read this in books before. And it's funny. I, I'm the same way. I went searching like you said, I started listening to this, 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 and I started searching for God's knowledge once he showed his true face to me. But I've heard this before. When you can get, and this is how I want Gracie to be, because it's just like you said. People see her and they're like, oh, no, she's, no, listen. You just got through one mountain. Like, it, the mountain shifts. Like, we have to deal with behavioral things. We still have to deal with a cerebral palsy and build, like, the, it, the mountain just shifts. But yeah, he was with us through the first part and he's with us today and he's leading us and he's going to lead me the rest of the time. But I tell you what, you nailed it because I've read this before and I try to get this to understand just kids, the power of a belief, the power of a belief. I want Gracie to believe and want her to do so well that there is no doubt in her mind that she's not going to achieve it. When it comes to her right hand, like we just sit there and for her to even like try to pick up a penny, like it'll take, it's so hard for her. But I don't ever want her to think like, oh, well, there's no belief in here. I'm never going to get better. Or have people tell you, oh, well, you can't do this. You can't do well, that. Well, the worst part about what yours is, oh, well, at least you're doing really good. Don't worry about that hand. You won't use, I mean, in the, and we settle. Yep. But, but we're promised wholeness. Yep. None. None of the infirmities will re will return. Yeah. None of the of of the uh, of the people that Moses led out of Egypt, mi three million people were led out of Egypt, and not one of them, not one of them was sick. Why? Not one old man, not one baby was sick. Not one. It, <laughs> It's a it's it's a true story. It's yep. a non-fiction story. It's it's you you don't people don't we want to we want to read between the lines and we want to set we want I did this my entire life until the last year. You want to live it and you want to try to unravel the riddle in it and how does it apply to life? Well, there's no riddle in it. It, what exactly it says is what exactly it means. But if you don't know the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, then you can't discern the intelligence necessary to apply it. Exactly. But you, if you're going to live it confidently, you, you have to know it. And if you don't know it, and then the part that I struggle with is the part that me and you will get judged for the minute that we leave this podcast and we go out and we use one curse word or we you know stumble one time or we let our emotions get to the best of us one time or we fail in society's eyes one time we'll be criticized for what we're talking about right now but you know what i get great joy out of that too because it says right there in that same exact book you will be the one they come after the most and another thing whenever 
I realized that ma the mountain that you're talking about, when I realized that we moved that first mountain, I also realized that the mountains shift. I also realized that in Matthew it says that when you cast out one demon, he'll go into the desert and he'll find seven more and bring them with you with him. And, you know, we always, I use the analogy with my family when I quote unquote was trying to lead them out of there. It's like, just keep your eyes in the boat. Yep. Don't focus on the wind. Don't focus on the thunder. Don't focus on the lightning. Don't focus on the waves crashing over us. Don't focus on whatever. Keep your eyes right here inside the boat yep. with me and you and God. And we're going to get to the other side. And then you know what I realized in the Bible? It says that when they got to the other side, they were tormented by an evil spirit and a man that was wearing it. Yep. Now what? Yep. It, it, that's You just nail it though, man. Like with... <laughs> I mean, just absolutely knocked it out of the park. I heard this the other day, and it's just like you said, I, I used to be a people pleaser. So I didn't want people to be angry at me, and I tried to like do this and that, you know? But the fact is, we talked about this the other day with Shiloh. For my messages, I talk about the battle. And I'm a sinner. I cuss, I fail every single day. Kids today do not want to face the failure. They only want to sugarcoat stuff and keep it positive in this way. No, it's just like the game. If you go into a baseball game and you respect your opponent, where it's like, okay, if I'm going against Grant and he's getting after it, like his shirt says, 365, 24-7, <laughs> and I'm doing the same, okay, and we come to head like that, Right? That's, that's when you find out when it's just like this. You get uncomfortable and just like that. But I seen a thing the other day where it said, name a more powerful leader in the history of the world that's had more influence on people than Jesus Christ. No, there isn't one. Is there it? is not one. So when people talk about Jesus being weak, I, I get offensive by it because he's shown his face and I will defend his name. To the edge, but name a more powerful, influential leader through the history of our world than Jesus. There isn't one. No. He is the Alpha. So if he's the Alpha leader of all time, why aren't we following what he's saying? Why do we go off and follow the NFL player, the MLB player, this and that, instead of going, okay, we're we, we're trying to teach leadership. So why wouldn't we go and read about the most influential leader? in the history of the world and what he said. What do people, in my, in my experience, and maybe it's different for everybody, but in my experience, most of the people that you talk to in the world, regardless of what their belief system is, are seeking peace. Peace. When you wake up in the morning, we pick up our cell phone, and if we don't have a text message to respond to, we go straight to social media to see who said who, who said what about who and why. And then if there's nothing that grabs your attention, you, you, you creep on everything that you can find to try to read between the lines and who's crossed with who and why and all these things. Or you're instigating. I'm guilty. Yep. Of all of those things. It's like a trap. And and so, yeah. but here's the thing. If 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 everybody is seeking peace, I, I, some of my very closest friends, you know, I believe in peace 
you know, and 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 I don't know, you know, I don't know what I believe in or this that, but 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 I, but I'm seeking peace. I don't want to have marital problems. I don't want to have financial problems. I don't want to have problems with friends. I don't want friends coming and going out of my. I want to have. I want my family to be as at peace as possible. I really, to be honest with you, I've never heard any other human being in the history of time be called the Prince of Peace other than that one. We're quick to pick up a John Gordon book who, out of fairness, is a Christian, right. has a Christian uh, angle on it. Or we're quick to pick up a, you know, the art of war. We're quick to pick up you know, uh, what's his name? John Kasparian or Kazarian's, you know, you know how to be a tough guy, you know, manual. Or we're quick to, to, to go to trainings and leadership schools and pay money to do whatever. What's, what's the risk in picking up the Bible and reading about Nehemiah? What's the risk in picking up the Bible and reading the book of Joshua? You want to be a leader for your family as a man and provide peace? Why aren't you freaking reading about the best leaders of all time? David, Moses, Nehemiah, Joshua, who all fell under one umbrella. Job, who all fell under one umbrella. The Prince of Peace. It's simple. Yeah. It's really just a simple concept. Me and you and Grant aren't going to change the world. I'm never going to preach to a person. I also learned that in my own failure, I was pushing something that, I mean, people are offended when I tell I I told people all the time when we were in the hospital with Max that I was praying for him. Well, I was commanded. Do for those that you want done for you. I, I went to the ends of the I prayed for opportunities to pe for people to witness to. Yep. I pray still that I have the opportunity and, and this opportunities came available and I thought, I want people to know what's inside me. Yep. You can still see the shell of me out on the field and you can remember how I, you know, undressed Grant with my words when he played poorly and they didn't see the side of it either that you know as a sophomore in high school who really didn't finish his baseball career pitched 10 varsity innings and had an opportunity because of spots vacated by kids including my own son who weren't doing what they were supposed to do I still have always been a man of my word whether you liked it or not well, you know the problems that were caused for you know for Grant and me they weren't between me and Grant We've sat in private and talked about him. Yep. It doesn't matter who it was, whether it was his friends, his parents, whoever. And he comes from a great family who understand these concepts. But still, in and of the world, everybody goes to work. Everybody faces challenges. I learned this. I, I, I told Jen Solomon I could never. I was all in with her and Solly. I felt like I truly got it. And I was heavily involved with their process and i really even at that time even though i didn't know what it was felt like a sense of me needed as a man to help lead that family the way i led my team and i really didn't at that time understand it until my own family was facing the same trials that i just didn't understand it yep and I just don't, re and, and, and I don't know, I don't know what Grant was dealing with off the field those days. I don't know what, 
You had Shiloh on the other day. I don't I don't know 100% what he was dealing with off of the field and you know what was affecting his performances and his moods and and what the interruption was in mind and his relationship. And there out of fairness, I don't want to take this out of, you know, people to think that I was cross with those people. I love all those kids. Right. I mean, I, they're a huge part of me. Right. You know, they they are what sustained me in this town because because when you get in a position like the one that I was in and you work as hard as I I work, you have a really high level of opportunity to be offended, which is another thing that I'm commanded not to do anymore. So I, I would have not been offended now after the fact by all of those same interruptions by society. I, I'm, I've lost more friends. This is going to sound brutal, but it's true. I've lost more friends, not because, but since my kid came down with cancer than I could have ever imagined. I have people that look at us like we have the plague and don't know what to say and stay at real arm's distance and... It's real. I don't have anything. I have no distance, but I can see the distance that they've created and I'm okay with it. But that that's something people won't and can't understand. Why in the world would somebody separate themselves from us because we had cancer when before we didn't? Yeah. I mean, you they were there for us. They raised money for us. They prayed for us. They sent great, nice texts. But now... They won't even look at you or say hello when you walk down, you know, the the, the steps at Ricketts. I, I don't understand that, yep. you know. But but it's not my job to understand. It's just my job to believe that the reasons are not mine to fix. I, I pray for them, so that not because I feel sorry for them. That's another cliche that we as Christians make. I don't feel sorry for them. I would rather feel sorry for me, but I'm not going to really. I'm, it's just I just pray for them because I'm sad that they feel like there's something that they don't want to face. I told you know Bart Midland Redskins are here third base coach. He comes right up to me and he said, "Man, tell me all about it. I want to know all about it." I was like, fist bump the dude, gave him a big freaking hug. I see Bart once a year when he comes to the freaking Connie Mac World Series, and I told him, I said, "I want you to know something." so refreshing to see you not even knowing how bad I needed that today because you just came freaking right on me and was like tell me about your kid tell me about what how did your wife handle it how did you handle it how did you? and it gave me the opportunity that I was been praying for to share my faith and the reason that I felt like we got through it with another baseball coach who absolutely wasn't uncomfortable and I see the guy once a year dude it's real it that. made me happy. Yep. We freak. It, it created a bond between me and him, probably for life now. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. I mean, I have opportunities, so I also. It's sad that you lose some friends, but when you start to realize that, man, these new opportunities and these new relationships and these bright spots grow. The per- this per- perspective shifts. It's like you, you change. But one thing you just touched on. And I seen this in a documentary a couple nights ago, and I'm going to pass this on, and you just nailed it, where this guy's doing a talk. He went through a lot of stuff, ex-NBA player. He's talking in front of school of kids, freshmen through seniors. So this little freshman girl stands up. She's the first one to get the mic, and her hand starts shaking because she's so scared to ask him the question. 
So he asked her the question, or asked what she's going to say. She gets so scared, she drops the mic, sprints out of the auditorium. The whole school is laughing at her. So they kind of hit him at home, and then he gets off the stage, and the teacher's like, hey, let me tell you something about that little girl. So come to find out, the dad was a full-blown alcoholic. The mom was going to jail for 14 years. So when people hear 14 years, they're like, oh, it's probably like alcohol, whatever, you know, something related to that, domestic violence. Well, since that girl was nine years old, the mother was selling that girl, going around a hotel room, selling that girl for drugs since she was nine years old. And do you know what the world did? And do you know what the other kids did? They laughed at her, running out of the auditorium. Why do so many people today get so caught up in bashing people for their bad sides or their failures. Like, I feel like this, man. I have a bad side. Grant does. We all have these things that we're dealing with, but the, we get in these little packs, and then it's like you want to bash people for the negative or who they are like that. You don't know anything what these people are going through when they leave or go home, what they're going through with their family, what they're doing this. But I feel like when we're so caught up on ourselves and what I can do and you know, Adam's coaching this team and I'm winning this game and it's like me, me, me. I don't think about kids like that. I'm not sitting there going, oh man, I wonder if, the, you know, I've been guilty of this. I've seen it happen this year. I've seen it happen this year, man. Something happens to a kid. Instead of finding out the details, it was like this. Every person I talked to was like, that kid is a piece of crap. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Why? How can you say that? You don't remember being 18? Why? Go deeper. See, he made a good point in this documentary. It's easy to put the guy up on the screen that snorted meth and has no teeth. That's easy. It's not easy for parents or people to go back and dive in to say, you know what, why is this kid a drunk at 14? Why does this girl cut herself every night when she's in a room? No one wants to answer those questions. No parents want to have those conversations with their kids because it's scary. They don't want to face the fact that this could be going on and it's scary. And for me and my message moving forward is that I want people to know that fear is not from our God. And these conversations need to be had. That, that, the best relate, I shouldn't say the best relationships some of the closest relationships I have with kids who played for me was because of a candid and very on the opposite of fear, brave level of relationship, level of communication that I used to promote for the wrong reasons but they manifested them in the right way that what we share inside the fence stays inside the fence you can't take it home and share it with your parents and share it with your grandparents and share it with it because at that point it becomes another opportunity for another person to put their own spin on something that you're dealing with if you're going to have a relationship with your parents about that very same issue, it needs to be your relationship with your parents about that same issue as a parent. So you use a player as an example. I'm going to use players as an example who I shared some of those relationships with. Brad Pate. 
Dominic Moreno, Dylan Bebo. You want to talk about people who had some real, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. Well, I mean, that those are my those will be till I'm no longer here. Some of my closest friends. They weren't just players to me. Was this like they allowed for me to get involved. I said a lot of things to those kids that their parents could and probably should have been offended by because a lot of it had to do with how do you rise above whatever it is that's causing you to act out in these ways. Some of it means you have to rise above even your parents. Not You're supposed to obey them and you'll be blessed for it and I'm commanding you as your coach to obey them. But you also need to keep perspective on the real reasons you're doing these things and they're the right reasons, including obeying them. You can't act out just because of the pain that's there. I can speak, instead of using others, can speak my own family. My own oldest son, Cody, everybody knows him. I mean, I did not, I was not fair to him. I felt like I had to be unfair to him. Well, it's no secret he got kicked off the team by his own dad as a sophomore for being and doing what he wasn't supposed to be doing. But I also found out, I also found out in the next year that there were six other kids that should have been kicked off that team. And I know every single one of their names. And I could easily hate them for it. And so could he. But I don't. I don't. Because they acted in the only way that the world teaches. We don't teach accountability. We don't teach responsibility. Even the very, very best parents protect their children. And as parents, we have a difficulty because we see all these kids getting away with bloody murder. And the kids who tell the truth are the only ones that get punished. But when when they're of age, they're also the only ones that win at life. The ones that are bailed out and they're not held accountable and their parents cut their path for them and they shield them and protect them are the ones that fail at life. They're the ones who get their car repoed. They're the ones who file bankruptcy. They're the ones who have divorces. They're the ones, and all of those things are not things to be looked down their nose at and say and condemn people for. Those are things that we should pray people for healing for those things because in their own lives, things happen to them that put them in those situations. And the only rebound from that And the only self-condemnation released from that is to realize that we were all delivered from that if we'll just focus on the right things. I know we made it already probably like 45 minutes of of Bible talk and all that stuff. I I didn't mean to get off on that, but I'm passionate about it and it's important to me. So I appreciate you asking the question. And obviously, like I said, the inspiration for the change in me was just, I I had to learn how to lead my family and I never... I did a bad job leaving, leading my family and there's a lot of people out there that know that I, I really, that that was my focus all along and I just did a, in my own evaluation of myself, I did an extremely bad job and I'm working now to repair that. I tell you what, to hear that though, man, like to do a full self-evaluation 
it's a tough thing to do, man. It's like, it's the same thing with parents not telling their kids what's going on. Like the parents not telling, uh, sorry, the kids not telling the parents what's really going on and having those conversations, man. And like, that's why this message from this today is that I want people to have those conversations because underneath it, it gets rid of all the garbage. And then you left with that and, and it can save people's lives, man. Like you, like, I remember going to talk at Dove Creek and I'll never forget this. And I sat there in front of the whole school and I told my story, everything I've gone through, negative, positive, whatever. And then after the, you know, after I talked and stuff, I sat in the cafeteria with the students. I'd never even met these people before. And this kid sat next to me and he was just like, yeah, man, I enjoyed your story, this and that. And then he just started crying. And I'm like, you know, you know, what's going on? And, you know, he was taking care of his younger sister. He's 14, 15 years old. He's like, I would love to play sports, but that's not an option for me. I don't, my, my, both my parents are drug addicts. I have 10 brothers and sisters that are in and out of jail. And I'm at home as a 14 year old kid trying to raise my younger sister. And he's bawling to me. And I'm like, he goes, football is not an option. Like, I don't have that choice. You know, and I see so many kids today that need to see that because they take it for granted what they really have, man. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how blessed you are. I, I, I know Grant and his family and how good of people they are and, and what they do for the community and how generous they are and the way that they've raised their kids. And they're exceptional people. But, I mean, how many times, Grant, have you sat in private and cried because you just don't understand it? It doesn't matter if your parents are drug addicts and you have 10 brothers and sisters and can or can't play sports. I would say that people would look at Grant and his life and go, he has everything. Yep. He has no problems. He doesn't have pain. What does he have to have pain for? I don't, I don't, I don't need to know what your problems are to know that you're no different than me. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's a certain there's a certain context that that people don't understand with our relationship, uh, Mike. And uh, I think it's really important that uh, when I when I went and you kind of touched on not creating good leaders and stuff, and I I would disagree in a sense that I became that good leader. I went in, and I think the disconnect when I left was I was so bought into your med- message of serving the people around me, and I didn't put enough. There, there's a balance that you have to have, right? You have to invest your time in others, but you also have to invest your time in yourself. And I was putting so much time into others that I began to hate myself and I was rotting. And I knew at the time, actually I really didn't even know at the time, I just had to find my escape and that was my teammates didn't treat me bad and I've forgiven everything for that. And just stuff had happened with us and, and I had to go, but then I met Adam and I was super blessed and that's why we're having this conversation today and why I'm kind of, the middle guy or I don't even know if I'm the middle guy but I'm just a part of the story and uh Adam had taught me forgiveness and had taught me that there's a balance right you have to you have to love yourself and enjoy yourself to understand and know how to leave and teach love right if if you don't even love yourself and love is a powerful word how can you teach love to others you can't there's a there's a huge disconnect and that's why all of a sudden within a six month period I'm talking no within a week period I'm talking to 50 kids about teaching a lesson and they can't understand and then I go to 300 kids and I'm I'm opening up and letting down the boundary and being real and all of a sudden 300 kids are coming up and saying your speech was amazing and it was awesome and they're they're all loving you and stuff like that and it's just been an experience man and 
Adam, we did talk about this morning about, like, I don't want to be playing college baseball. I love the game of baseball, and I always will. But I think being in the position that I'm in now to be able to be in the community that I'm in and, and grow kids and help with the youth ministry and have an opportunity to do that stuff, that, that that's where God put me to be, I think. And I think that's 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 the battle you want to be in. You want to be in the battle of creating good people. And you, you've shaped me to be a good person, and people don't understand that. They think that you've only wronged me, and that's not true. We've had a lot of good conversations one-on-one together, and we've had conversations, and people don't understand that side of it, and they really they really draw away from that because they're always on the attack, and they, they attack people and stuff like that. And that's not how it is. I You've made me a really, really good person, and had it not been for Adam making me go in my senior year to go talk about playing again, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation too. And I think just being real with people is so important. And it, and yeah, it's tough to to get to that place and you have butterflies. I mean, I had butterflies coming into this conversation because I didn't know where it was going to go. I knew, I knew the conversation was going to be great because good or bad of the outcome, our conversations have always been good together. And I think that that's important for people to understand too, that there's going to be people that I guess wrong you, but they don't really wrong you intentionally. Nah, they're, they're, we're they're judging. Yeah, we 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 we're the product of this society. We judge each other. Yeah, and and even when we say we don't, we do. And like I said, you the pain that you were experiencing, it doesn't matter. The drug addicts and the ten kids, it's relative. Yeah. I sat on the balcony at the apartment in Denver many evenings just praying. Just quiet, no cell phone, no computer, no nothing, looking out across the way. And we were on Koufax, and I don't know anybody, how many people know about Denver, but it's like where they film cops in Denver. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's not good. I mean, I saw whores fighting and their pimp promoting them and drug deals and and some real sketchy things. And, and, and I realized sitting there that behind the door you know behind my back inside the door there was there in the apartment complex there were you know how hundred kids fighting for their for their next breath trying to keep their kidneys trying to keep their liver trying to keep their heart trying to you know not have surgery trying to keep their eyes trying to all those things and the battle was so real behind the door that you're angry for so many days looking at these people who have a choice about how bad their life or how good their life could be and they're those criminals that I'm watching off of my balcony outside of my little gated community use drugs and sell themselves and do all these things and the police cars just whipping up and down and just this and then I started as time grew on and I and I the more I prayed and the more time I watched the more my heart softened to them and the less angry I was with them and the more sorrow I felt for them even though it wasn't I felt sorry for them it's not in the same context again it's one of those underlying understandings but I realized that they're fighting for their life just like the kids behind me it doesn't matter what you were brought up like you're fighting for your life every day you're fighting for your your social identity, you're fighting for your professional identity, you're fighting for your, where do I fall into the pecking order in life? And Grant said it perfect. I mean, I've always preached a heart of service. And the reason I was always so offended is, I don't care what anybody says. 
Anybody that's ever been around me knows that I woke up in the morning and I went to work for my players, not for me. And that has never changed. I did it for the wrong reasons, but I did it. And I, and I definitely have a heart of service, but I also had a hardened heart to certain things and was passing judgment on people who I felt like had choices and this and that and the other. And I don't know why, where the disconnect happened with Grant per se in my program or where the disconnect happened between me and you because we had sit downs during those early days and you know god bless ian dowdy um but you know ian got caught up in a deal where he was caught in between he had to share a story with me and he had to share a story with you and he twisted it with me and he twisted it with you to try to save his own rear end and when we all came the three of us came out of it it was like ian it's okay and me and you were good and then it happened again and we should have learned our lesson the first time but we failed the second time even worse than we failed the first time why because you're not trying to see that everybody's fighting for their life on a daily basis and understanding that you have your challenges and I have my challenges. And if we can't try to coexist and understand and understand that you're not trying to get over on me and I'm not trying to get over on you, that the nature of the business that we're in brings natural competition, which can either be taken completely out of context and be made personal, or it can be made specifically into context and become professional yeah. as opposed to all that. And I just think that like, what Grant said, like the heart of service is where it's at. And if you can't, and if you can't, I mean, I really even embodied it even more. You know, I, I, I went to work trying to lead my family out of it, not because I wanted peace for me, but because I wanted peace for them. I prayed for opportunities to share with other people because I wanted peace for them. I, I, it, it, I, 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 it gives me great confidence to have seen the bubble of people that I was surrounded with at the time. The true essence of the scripture that my wife has posted everywhere. No weapon formed against you can prosper if you believe. Right. And the people around me in my bubble that believed prospered. And it gave me great confidence because it took me back to not a self, not it had nothing to do about me being successful. I was just like, thank you, God, for showing me that I can use your power to help other people and thank you and expect nothing in return because that's where my peace came from. It's, I didn't need people to tell me good job. That's, that's I didn't need a trophy. That's the truth. Yeah. I mean, that is the truth. Everything you just said, I've experienced. And I'll tell you a straight story. I remember growing up, and my wife even said this to me, I was a younger kid in my wildest days, this and that, and I remember she was in Australia with me at the time, and I seen some like homeless people on the side of the street, you know, and she wanted to stop them giving money, and I was like, oh no, they deserve to be there, you know, just being an absolute, you know, just that's who I was back then, yeah. and now I see them, and it's exactly what you just said. How'd they get there, man? How'd they get there? What happened to them? Where did their choice go wrong? Like, and then stop and give them some money, help them out, pray for them and do that. That was a complete switch in my life because I was on the other side. I tell this, my story is this. I didn't even like Christians when I was younger. I was so wild and so out of control. The last thing I wanted to hear about was Jesus. Mm -hmm. So my actions when I was under that 
bubble, like Mike said, the umbrella when I'm under the world like this, that's what comes with that. Mm -hmm. You treat people bad. You hate on people. You do this. It's your only defense. Right. You you, you can't you you can't defend yourself with love because you don't know any right yeah. and it's a, it's a crazy to me that that's how it is and then when you become a service to others it's exactly what Jesus showed us to do okay Jesus we said this before the ultimate leader what was his message serve others he came to serve us so why wouldn't we want to serve that but every time we make it self. You turn into this hateful person. Yeah, and, and people take it out of context, man. Right. Yeah. I mean, people people don't understand it. Look, again, turn that rock into a loaf of bread and prove to me that you're the son. Nah, hang on. Every word in the Bible. Well, you know what? I do too now. And I thought I didn't like Christians and Christianity and all that because I thought I wouldn't be able to live a certain way. And I right. thought that I was lo- going to lose my fun and I was going to lose my identity. And, yeah. and, and I'll be honest with you. The more I read it, the more I realize that I don't have to be apologetic for punching a guy in the teeth if that falls in line with the parameters of the commandments that I'm supposed to live. Do you realize that the Bible is filled with nothing but freaking blood-curdling soldiers (laughs) and murderers who were freaking, who were were chosen to promote the kingdom? Like, there's a very strong balance for a believer who understands it all and a very high responsibility. It's like being a concealed carrier, you know, weapon carrier. You have a higher responsibility to understand what your responsibility is when you carry. And when you carry, you're supposed to be a protector of society. And when you're not a carrier, then how do you protect society? Well, you protect society with your own personal judgments on what's right and wrong. But when you're a concealed carrier, you use the letter of the law because you know that if you protect society with your concealed carry weapon outside of the letter of the law, you're the one that's going to be held accountable by higher power. That's the same way the Bible is. It's your concealed carry weapon. And if you can't understand how you're supposed to use the times that you're supposed to get confrontational and it's okay for you to get confrontational and defend yourself in any means and still be delivered from it if you don't know the letter of the law of the bible you can't use it right it's not doesn't work that way right and you can't claim to just say i have judeo-christian you know this or that or the other but i really don't believe that there's a god and understand it yeah but that's okay and that being said I don't want to. I don't want to cut the. But for all the people who think that we're kooks and Bible thumpers or whatever, let's get to the baseball part of this, man. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Let's uh, let's shift it on. So, let's talk about where, where you're going, man. Oh man. Let's talk about the future. What's going on? Where you're headed? And uh, I mean, I've heard heading to Albuquerque, right? Yes, sir. Going to La Cueva? I am. All right. Let's hear a little bit about. Where you're going in your baseball career, what the end goal is, man. Some new passions, some new goals well, in the baseball world. Let me set it up with this, and this will be the only time I talk about this, but the bad part about it is I resigned from my job at PV as a baseball coach when I was still very, very heavily blanketed with the toxins of the local baseball battle um i've pretty much 
I've pr- I feel like I've pretty much, other than the players of the, the that I've mentioned, you know, previously, I, I feel like I've pretty much lost most of my friendships um, because of baseball. I feel like that my family has been we we like I said this community is unbelievable and I didn't realize it until after I felt sorry for myself I allowed for small petty things to grow and become bigger than things that I could carry I couldn't lead that program anymore I mean I've been attacked so much Literally since the day I took the job at PV when people peeled out in my front yard or my kids would build a snowman when they're 11 years old and people would drive their vehicles through my front yard and paintball my house, Kelly Green and and all those things when I took the job at PV that nobody knows about. Only my family felt that pain. Um, Literally from the day I took the job at PV, uh, it started. And at that time, my heart was right. So I didn't let those things bother me. I was like, I'm going to overcome it. You know, God's a good God and all those things. And then, you know, when you, when you appear in the state championship six out of nine years and you never were seated lower than third in the state and averaged 23, games a, uh, 23 wins a year and you're only allowed 26 games in a schedule with the absolute hardest by the power ranking system established by the powers that may be the absolute hardest schedule of any program in the state regardless of classification and with six draft picks out of my program in nine years with over 50 letters of intent and all of the things that I can name to you that were the reasons that I was feeling sorry for myself for the attacks that I was facing from my very own people my very own kids my very own parents my very own coaches and I realized after I went through with Max was self-inflicted those things were real and they happened and they were damaging and they left deep scars but I'm healed from all that now because I, don't, I realize what we were talking about for the first hour was pretty much a result of everyone, their own pain, right. whatever that is. And so I unfairly took it personal, which a lot of those things were personal attacks, but I, 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 I could have risen above it like I've always instructed my players to do, and I was a hypocrite at that point, and I didn't. So... I resigned from my job there not knowing what I was going to do. Max got sick, and here we are. So I honestly thought I was going to be the next head baseball coach at Eastern New Mexico. Um, I got a t- I had two interviews, interviewed with the athletic director, interviewed with the committee, got a telephone call, and was asked if I could be there on a Monday morning uh, or Tuesday morning. I just told him I needed 24 hours in advance notice, and, and – uh, said okay I'll let you know on uh, you know on Sunday or whatever and this was a Friday and and I uh, I didn't hear anything from him on Monday and uh, I, I was a little disappointed and then I didn't hear anything from him on Tuesday and uh, Wednesday came and all of a sudden I just noticed that he resigned well I mean that was the guy that right. had chosen me and he resigned right in the middle of it. So a month later, the committee opted to go with 
in my opinion, what I would call the easy choice, a guy with college experience and all of those, you know, uh, obvious things that you look for uh, instead of going outside the box and giving a guy like me an opportunity to go there and turn my alma mater around and, and give them a chance to be successful with the kids from our state, which was one of my, you know, my biggest my biggest arguments with the school at the time was it's they're not taking care of New Mexico kids and 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 New Mexico kids and especially Farmington kids are a very high priority to me and I just felt like that school and other schools have done our kids a disservice so anyway that fell through and and coached uh, Pineda at La Cueva he coached at UNM coached at Cochise coached at El Paso Community College and for a lot of family reasons ended up being the head coach at La Cueva just said you know what do you think about this unique opportunity? And, uh, you know, I had to just act on faith because on paper it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's a pay cut. You know, I don't know what it means for Four Corners Baseball and how I continue to roll that ball out because I love Four Corners Baseball and the concept that we promote with Four Corners Baseball. It's not a true club team, and I, I really appreciate the families and the loyalty of the kids and people who understand what we actually do at Four Corners uh, for no money and all those things. And so I just had to act on faith. And Gerard's, you know, he set it up. His principal created a PE position and it fit their FTEs and offered me the job. And, you know, without talking negatively about the Farmington Municipal School District at all, um, if anything, they've been a blessing to my family with the number of people that have donated sick days and all that stuff. But the new principal had re reassigned me and, and, you know, in my opinion, failed to ask me about what my intentions were before he reassigned me. And it just made it very clearly obvious that, that I, uh, that, you know, the door in Farmington probably had closed for me. I still had a job and I still had four corners baseball, but to go teach PE, which I was no longer going to be allowed to do at, 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 uh, at PV to go teach PE at Farmington high came with some duties uh, that I kind of understood and out of fairness to the school they need to fill PE jobs with coaches of other sports and all those things was after I prayed about it and thought about it really not something I wanted to do and La Cueva gave me the opportunity to come in and teach PE and and quite frankly he might be the only head coach in the state of New Mexico because you both know me that I might be able to work with right. <laughs> right. you know so uh that being said, I yeah, I'm I'm excited about the opportunity and because I am acting on faith, I know that I know that, you know, the doors that'll be open to me and my family uh will be will be things I, I'm super excited about to see what those doors are. So would be the eventual goal, do you do you wanna coach the college game? Yeah, I'm, I, I I really I, I mean if I if I didn't have retirement at stake, I can retire from the New Mexico public education system in four years. Um, if I really didn't have that at stake to lose, I got offered a job in Arizona uh, as a head baseball coach at, at a new school in Mesa, loaded with dudes. And, you know, I've always felt like I've overachieved with with, you know, with the cards that you're dealt in a small community like ours. And people on the outside listening to this podcast would go seriously you know you had jake mccaslin and dominic moreno and jc cave and you know i could go down the list of names of absolute dudes that came through my program but i would like to believe that me and my staff had a part in developing that and you know no offense but Pietro vista had never won a district championship or a state championship prior to me going there so i feel like 
we had a bit of impact on the school. So I would have liked to have seen what I could have done in a city of three million people at a school that has the pick of the litter in a brand new part of town and, you know, a high level of caliber of athlete, what I could have done as opposed to having, you know, 38 kids come out for baseball every year in a place where it snows and sometimes you can't get on the field until March the 1st. And then you travel and play national invitationals with wood bats against aluminum and come out of it and everybody going, who is this? You know, I get great joy out of that, but I also would like to be the guy that has the opportunity to work with the kinds of kids that D-Bat Elite and the Midland Redskins are blessed and fortunate to be able to pull in from all over just to seek what you could do with it you know so I turned that down and since I have retirement at stake I I, I, I need to stay in New Mexico but I, I yes the college game after coaching the frackers I learned some dynamics that I don't like about the college game um, but I also there were again going back to my thing I'm strongly passionate about the leadership and the, what men need to become for their families. And I also feel like college baseball players are separated from their parents, so to speak, and they don't have nearly as much influence on your relationship with the college player as they do on your relationship with the high school player. And I feel like, you know, some of those very accountability and responsibility problems when they're actually paying to come to school or I'm paying them to come to school and they have a choice about being there about the accountability and responsibility that I could actually teach in that environment. Yeah, it's definitely a shift because even the kids I coached this summer, that was my whole focus was like, it's it changes man like when you go to college and a coach has recruited you there and you've got 60 kids and you go like there is a responsibility if parents are paying for schools as this it shifts and i just want those kids to know when they go into the atmosphere of like how it's going to be man because they don't have parents there they don't have going home every night and everyone telling them this 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 so that style of coaching would definitely in some of the colleges i've seen and some of the what college kids deal with that type of coaching would definitely be a huge benefit so well like i said i mean i feel like at pv in spite of how popular it was and you know some of the verbal abuse i guess if you call it that i you know everybody likes to look at the verbal abuse that i used on the kids and i and i wouldn't even call it abuse i mean it was accountability i didn't call kids names but the, if you didn't make a play that you should make and that we actually worked on and if I hadn't worked on it with you, you would never hear a word from me. Right. I would get my tablet out and everybody seen me pull it out of my pocket and write it down. And 24 hours later, we're working on it because the next time you fail at it, you're going to hear about it. Right. And you're probably not going to like what I have to say. Yep. And your parents definitely aren't going to like what I have to say. Yep. So I feel like our kids were successful because of my style of coaching after they left PV. Right. But I also feel like at the college level, I watch. I sat in the hospital and watched college baseball for an entire year. There are a lot of good college baseball coaches, and there are even more bad ones. Yep. I feel like I have there's a place for me in, the, in that level of the game. Well, that's awesome, man. Now, you just touched on the Redskins and stuff like that, so let's just go over the World Series this week, man. 4C was in it. Tell us about just a little bit about this World Series, man. What, what, what was it like? How was the experience of this one? Well, the Connie Mack World Series, 
for Mike Magaha is a win-win. And I used to think of it as a lose-lose. Right. In the eyes of the community, it's probably a lose-lose. Unless there are kids on the team. Um, but I can honestly say that last year winning the Mountain West Regional, which I'm very proud has never been done, and I would be willing to bet money that it won't be done again because of the ch- how Connie Mack changes so often and <laughs> yeah. and those things. I, I, I think we might go down in the history book as the only team that's ever won a regional to qualify for the Connie Mack World Series. And it was very unpopular in the community at the time until they realized that it allowed a second community team to get in. But it also undercut some of the local kids. And it requires you to go out and get some levels of talent that you just don't have here in terms of depth we always have just as good a best player as anybody else we just don't always have the very best caliber of worst player that everybody else has so and depth and so this Connie Mack World Series and last year too I honestly felt like I felt like last year we were more talented but I felt like this year we actually played better yeah um this was the first time that I ever felt like in my 25 years of coaching that we outplayed our opponents and lost. We, I, I, with the exception of one inning against the Midland Redskins, we're winning 5-4 to four going into the fifth inning. With the exception of the one inning, we outplayed the Midland Redskins. I, 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 you know, when we, when we played the SoCal Renegades, we, we didn't outplay them. They outplayed us. We got beat. When we played the Phenom, that 9-7 to game, just speaking on the talent and the difference in the depth, we had our way with the, with the, with the Texas Phenom. They're still playing. Right. I mean, we were significantly better than them. Yeah. Um, when we it, – it's unfortunate in two years. You know, we draw the – last year we go into the, into the draw and we get the Midland Redskins, the Danville Hoots, and the Texas Sticks. Are you kidding me? Those are three, in my opinion, three of the best ten teams that you could have put in the bracket. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's just an unfortunate draw. But it is what it is, and we went out and did what we could do, and we won a game, and it came down to a tiebreaker, and it was the very, ironically, the very last game between I think Nashville and somebody last year to see if we were even going to get into the bracket right. at one and two because the other pools were so much parity, yeah. and we had done so well against some high end schools or against some high end teams. So I, I felt like it put us in the conversation, and it garnered us some attention from these teams that come from out of town. Yeah, I watched the. Uh, I took Joe to the D back game the other night, and I was impressed, man. That dude threw a great game, and dude, I ain't gonna lie. I feel like, for me, knowing the game, uh, that break in the fifth inning, he went to the mound. He had tempo. He was a tempo guy out there, and he went to the mound and he picked up the ball, and then bam, there was like that five or six minute delay, and it was like. You could feel the momentum start to shift. But I tell you what, just... Well, that D-back game, too, I felt like we outplayed them. I really felt like we outplayed them. I know we made the two two errors, and Emilio, unfortunately, it wasn't even an unfortunate error. It was, again, just like we talked about for the first hour, it was an unfortunate decision. He made a bad decision to throw the ball. If he just, even with... The kid getting safe if he just chooses not throw the ball because he's not going to get the guy anyway. Right. It's first and second 
as opposed to second and third, and then the double that the next guy hits yep. is one run instead of two, and we get out of the inning yep. just like we did anyway, and we win the game. Yep. And then you look at what happened to us against Florida. We outplayed Florida. We outhit them. We made less errors than they did. The only thing that we didn't do was in the one-half inning, we walked more guys. Again, just like the D-back game, I also felt like the strike three call on the full count kid with two outs against D-back that put us in the error situation would have been the out with a still guy at first base. And again, it's a judgment call by the umpire. Right. We have no control over it. We have to overcome it. Just like we had no control over Max getting sick and we had to go through that, we also had to endure that and find a way to get out of it. Unfortunately... You know, me and Sean couldn't lead our team above the scoreboard. And 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 we there was no there's nobody to blame. The umpires weren't the reason we lost the game. We didn't fail. Yeah. We just have I mean, you watch us against the Florida Legends, we have line drive to right field, line drive to the shortstop, line drive to left field, line drive to second base, high chopper that the first that the third baseman skies to get to lead off the game. Then they get three hits in the game, I think. One of them is the same chopper that their third baseman fields that bounces over my third baseman's head for an RBI. And another one is a flare between Treston, uh, Gage, and Nate that lands in the triangle with two outs that gets them a run, and we can't, and we can't get that break. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that. I mean, that's the way the game is, and you know, unfortunately, we we couldn't overcome them on the scoreboard either. But again, in terms of hits, errors, and all those things, we out we outplayed our opponents, and and I think it was obvious sitting in the bleachers watching, going, man, we shoulda, coulda won that game. And really, on paper, if you look at it, you go, wow, how did this team win? Right. <laughs> what did they do to win? Yeah. Out of fairness to the Phenom, who I had our way with, I think they had 14 hits and we had five, and we beat them pretty good. And so I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Well, we had three triples and two home runs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's one of those. So. Well, I just like watching the local team compete against the national best man because it's just like you said. When you're getting recruits from all over the country and you can go around to every different tournament and scout and say, okay, I want this kid, this, and you have a budget to do that, I love seeing the local kids and New Mexico kids come in. And that's why the good thing about the World Series, man, I love, and I wish you would, you know, my opinion just with the pool plan stuff, I don't like it, but that's me because I'm more of the old school where it's like double elimination, everything on the line with the best. But it's like when you're in those type of games – it's one play here or there. From a competition standpoint, I agree with you on the two and a barbecue thing in the tournament. But from a career coach standpoint, the pool play allows for every kid on your roster to go out and get acclimated to a very fast, high level of competition in front of the eyes that they wouldn't have been able to get in front of right. in the two in a barbecue situation, especially if you don't play well. Right. Out of fairness, you had a you've done significantly better than I have uh, in terms of success in the Connie Mack World Series by ways of outcomes. 
in games. So, but but something that just finally happened to us four corners in the last two years after you and I split, and I went to work trying to rebuild four corners to get you know to keep going what right. what I was going with. Something happened to us that happened to you when uh, at the end of mine and your run together, where we you were putting teams on the field that that gained national respect because you were being successful against the best. Yep. And finally this year, obviously I've been in the game for a long time, and so you you meet coaches and you get to know people along the way, and then it expands outside of summer and through yep. my through my scouting. You know my 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 little bird dog gig with the Rangers, or or going to national invitationals over spring break with the high school teams, right. or whatever. Um, started to just you know our reputation for what we were doing with Four Corners started to grow, and this was the first time that I actually felt like we were respected by the opponent. Hundred percent. We 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 all of the coaches at the very best programs. We're like, man, you guys aren't the same. It's just not the same local team. You know, yep. you had those patches where you guys were really good, but before that we really struggled. All the way dating back to when Coach Trotter had like the Sky Sox. Yep. You know, they, they had some good runs. And then for a long time it was just two and a barbecue and we couldn't field the team yep. that could be competitive for a number of reasons. Right. Um, and then you guys hit that patch of a strong run. And then we had – Several seasons where you and I both are just getting our teeth kicked in, uh, in in the games, and and then all of a sudden, we're, you know, we're back to being able. I mean, it felt like finally we felt like these guys aren't. There was not a game that we walked out, regardless of how got hard the guy was throwing or who was in the other lineup at all. That I went into the dugout feeling anything but confidence, like we haven't. We, we had just as good a chance to win these games as anybody. Yeah, you guys had a solid lineup, man. Yeah. And especially when you had, you know, you run through Treston, Zastro, and Nate. And and and, and, and Wolfert. Yeah. yeah that's the freaking gauntlet for the first four, is. buddy. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's a perfect combination of speed, power, and, 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 and ability. Yeah, really, really solid lineup, man. And just, I tell you what. I, I love some of the games that we've had over the years. Just And I, I even thought about this last night. Just even some of the players that have been on the field in games that we've played against each other that have just been phenomenal, man. Like, so many good players that have come through. You know, it's like you go through the Zach Algrams, the Connor Calverts, the Drew Gillespies, the Jeff Daimling, the Who was the uh, catcher, the left-handed hitter? Monto who uh, he's at oh, UNM now. Um he graduated. Um, yeah, if you hadn't asked me right there on the spot, I talk to him all the time. Yeah, but <laughs> Gosh, dang just, it! Just switch hitting catchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you go through the names and the list, and I mean, just some of those games and just competitive wise, and you're just enjoying. Like I really treasure some of those games, man, because it was just baseball at its best, and we know, took it for granted. Yeah, it we was, took it for granted, and we allowed a lot of dumb things to not. We allowed a lot of dumb things to disrupt the, pe the the pleasure we could have had in the moment. Because looking back now, it's like, man, what a good, what a, what a great run of kids and families and success for the community representing representing this community, which is really a special community. I, I'll forever love and be grateful to the people of Farmington, regardless of the difficulties I've had here. It's a it's a special place. It is, man. I, 
I always get teared up when I talk about this place because a lot of people with me, my career ended at 28 and I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. I didn't graduate high school and I came to this town and I remember the first two weeks here I made 20 bucks and I was in a dark place, man, and I rebuilt myself in this community through just grinding, man, doing lessons for no money and just trying to build a foundation. And then when the stuff happened with Gracie and the way people supported my daughter in this town, I, the reason I give back so hard to this community every day is for that, man. Like, I can't, I can't ever give back this, like, what the community has done for me and my daughter, man. I, I can't even put it into words. Me neither. There's no way, especially after... Like you're talking about, Grace, I mean, for as far as Max goes, I, you know, prior to that, I was like, honestly, I was like, you know, piss on this place. My attitude was so bad about a very small pocket of things that right. happened. In the grand scheme of things, I just couldn't quit. I, I just couldn't see past my nose. Yeah. It was just all about me, and I, I, I lost perspective, and I mean, but then once that I went through that with Max, I... I actually took that small pocket of dirty and I put it in a box and I closed the box and the rest of the community and all the great things about this place and man I was just telling I was just telling somebody yesterday you know I have a vet that I can call at two in the morning will do whatever I have an emergency doctor that when Max was diagnosed met me in the alley with a prescription paper to get a blood test and I never had Max we never even went to a clinic when Max was diagnosed and he was getting chemo 24 hours later we never went to a doctor I, I have people in this you know between you know I use two examples between Carrie Curtis Otto and 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 Doc Campbell just those two people alone when I leave this community I don't have that anymore I don't have I don't have Adam Morrissey, you know, there who can who I can run this pass or run that pass based on something that's going. I don't have you know Doc Woodson. I don't have Doc Campbell. I don't have. Uh, there's so many people that you just take for granted all those years that just take care of you. You know, Brad Walls and 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 and. Jeff Thomas and over the years of the people that had just really bent over backwards for you in so many different ways you know I mean even just my you know relationship with other people like Kirk Carpenter is going through some stuff with his wife right now I mean they're at the front of my mind every day and and you 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 get away from your local family community and that's a scary thing that's why leaving is stepping out on faith but but this is a special community. Baseball-wise, you know, as far as baseball goes, it can be, it can be a cheese grater. But if you can, if you can get yourself outside of the grater and realize that everything else carries more peace and weight that comes with it, and people actually appreciate your efforts more than you realized, and that the relationships with the, that you made with the kids, whether they seem strained at the time or not, by the time they're, you know, Grant's age years later, or Shiloh's age years later, or or Jake McCaslin's age years later, or, you know, 35 years old, that that's when they'll probably get it and appreciate it if there was something meaningful about it and just live with that and be okay with it instead of wanting immediate gratification 
it makes things a lot easier you know that's when that's that's when you have to redirect your focus to the truth instead of what you're seeking in the world to make you to validate yourself so well i tell you what man just sitting here having this whole conversation coming full circle i mean it's blown me away just the whole conversation today because it was a huge part of my life man there was a lot of, i was telling this grant before you got here today and i knew this was going to be a healing conversation because it's a huge part of your life. There's a lot of time invested in the stuff we went through and the stuff we've all gone through, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's cool to come full circle. And I think, you know, for the community to hear us, to hear us talk, I mean, that, this is the thing. No one, everyone had always talked from the side, man. Well, I knew, I, I apologize to the community. Everybody knows that I'm long-winded, so the two hours or whatever this thing lasted, hopefully they can stick with me. Oh, dude, it was, it, I knew it would probably, probably be four hours, you know, it would never end, but... Oh, there's no doubt, I could go on and on. Yeah, and, and but the thing is, man, coming full circle, I think we all understand now, it's kind of like a big monkey off your shoulders, man. It's like, you know what, when it's all said and done, if you're in Albuquerque and you call me and you're like, I need you there for my family, I, any everyone you just said, they're going to be there. Oh, yeah. And that's the true meaning of this community, man. Sometimes we get mad at each other. Sometimes we fight like brothers. Sometimes this happens and we get competitive in ways and we don't really understand it. And we're like, you get like that kind of like it's a family. But I know from the bottom of my heart that there is so many people in this community that if I said, hey, my family's in trouble, oh, yeah. they're there. I, that And that's the part. That's the part. I mean, you know, probably didn't really specifically say it the way I intended it to mean it, but I, I, I've had to, I've had to forgive myself. I've had to like overcome my self-condemnation for leaving because I feel like in some way I'm letting the community down. I mean, it's a, it's a very emotional behind the scenes. It's a, it's a really emotional thing. Cause like I said, I, I can, I can, I can never repay yep. this community. There's no amount of money or thank yous or even self time investment into the people in this community that have made all the difference quote unquote in the world for me and my family that I could ever repay. I just can't do it. I can't. I could never repay them. And so, that being said, I I, I just know that I I've, I have to overcome my own self condemnation for leaving because, in a way, I feel like again, it's me trying to overcome the idea that people are going to call me a hypocrite for what I've become and where I'm going. Because here you say all that, but then you're bailing, and we all know the truth about why you're bailing and all that and 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 it's like you said it's hard to overcome your own person the things you talk yourself into but like you said those people that matter that have done those things for us will never leave they'll always be there and i i, I have to keep reminding myself of that because i don't I don't like letting people down. I'm a man of my word, regardless if you like me or don't like me. And I'll say it to you whether I, you like it or you don't like it. And there's not one thing about me that's ever a secret. And, and that's probably not a good thing. But that's just the way I am. And I, I, I like that because I don't ever owe anybody that way. Um, but I do owe people 
thank you. And I, if I could express it somehow where they could understand it to the level of gratitude, I would. But I just don't think that there's a way. Well, I tell you what, man. I'm so happy for the fact that me and you can sit here before you leave town and go to La Quaver. And, you know, I, we're always going to be friends. And I just want to tell you personally from me to you, I respect our relationship. I respect everything we have gone through. I don't hate the past that we went through negative times together because it shaped me into who I am. And, you know, I appreciate our relationship now, man. I respect it. I appreciate it. And I'm always going to be, you know, checking you out, always going to be, you know, supporting your family, wishing, praying for Max, praying for Lori, praying for Cody. Adam, there's no question. Man, what you're doing in this community through this opportunity the women's classes and the kids classes and the baseball and the you know pulling Shiloh and Grant and Jake and all my you know Dominic and all those ex-players in and and really actually plugging them into the community to give back to the community they get all the things that you're doing you don't there's nothing you have to ever say to any of these people here to validate what your where your heart truly is it's evident so well and just like i said man sitting here and having this conversation with you my heart's full again you know it's a good i'm 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 happy that can be what it was but i'm happy for the fact that we can sit here today and know that our whole lives are ahead of us so many more good relationships are going to come and you can just take that for what it was and not too many people get these words man no one no one gets to come full circle sometimes and you know we've lost people like ryan over the years and we've had people not get the chance to come full circle and tell people they're real things and from me to you we went through all this stuff together and to sit here and just come full circle with it and sit here and know that you know what it was what it was but Today, we can sit here going through what we've gone through, man. And deep down, I wish the best for your family. I wish the best for your career. You're always going to be loved in this community, man. You're always welcomed at the strike zone. And like this this community, man, This it's always going to be a part of you. It's, it's never going to not be there. And I just love the fact that, you know, I can't say it enough just to get this off. It's like a big monkey off your shoulders. And people get to hear the real side of the story the real us and it's kind of like just god god given that healing before we have to go and tackle the mountains man yeah i i mean I, the opportunity for me to come and talk when you asked me was i part of me was like the fear of of the emotional part of it because a lot of the things even here sit after sitting here two hours or whatever it's been i I still just get floods of emotion and I don't, that's not, you know, I, I, people know me, I've shown my emotions, but I, I didn't want that to turn into that. And so that was fearful, but the op, but, but I was so excited to be able to say a lot of things that I know I'm going to go home and go, man, gosh, dang, I wish I would have said, I wanted to say this. I wanted to say that. And I, I, you know, and, but, but I think really, honestly, I really, the timing was perfect. me having wrapped up what it is that I came here to do 17, 18 years ago um, and feeling in your words like my heart is full about what I accomplished here and what I set out to do here 
and hopefully I can continue to be keep my finger in the pot even though sometimes that's for the wrong reasons I don't have those intentions um, the opportunity to get on here and really make sure that the people in this community knew exactly my emotion and where I'm where I'm at in terms of what I feel about what I what I've gone through here and 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 what I've shared with people here was candid and open I, I wanted to make sure that that was that that was spoken if I had the opportunity to do that so the timing was perfect for me and I can't thank you enough for it no well the Redskins are coming in man that was uh they got the early game today so yeah from the bottom of my heart man thanks for coming in we wish you the best yep. in your future coaching the best with Max your family you ever need any of us you know where the phone call is man and yep. It was an honor today to sit here and have this conversation with you. And I just appreciate what you've done for me in my life. Uh, and, involve, you know, you're, you're a part of my journey. You know, you always will be. You're a part of my journey, and I respect that about you, man. And I love that fact now today. I can sit here and really cherish what part of the journey we had together, man. And I, I wish you such good things, man. I'll be praying for you with our family, you know, all the time. And uh, may God bless you along the way. And thanks for coming in, man. I know, like you said, to face this, coming in and talk, it, it wasn't easy, but I'm so glad we did it. It was everything in my mind, what God had showed me it was going to be. And uh, I'm just honored to be here and have this conversation with you, man. So I, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. I, again, kid, there's no words I can't express the gratitude I have and, I, and I, how honored I felt to be asked to come in. And the timing of it was, again, God timing. Well, awesome, man. Well, we're going to wrap up the episode right there. Mike, all the best. Thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll get at you next time. Yeah.